0: What would your life be like if you could trust in Jesus from the bottom of your heart all the time? What would your life be like if he were really there to help you with everything, every little thing? I'll tell you something that happened to me this morning. We had kind of a wild morning this morning at my house. You can imagine that it is not always easy to get four boys out of the house. The youngest one is almost one year old. And it takes us normally, if nothing goes wrong, two hours to get ready and get out of the house. And it might seem crazy to some of you, others of you who have little kids. Well, that's, that's not unusual at all. Two hours to get out of the house. So this morning, my eyes were focused on Jesus. And I was able to trust him. And a lot of things went wrong this morning. We were getting ready and we were almost going to be on time for the time that we had set. And I was wearing this nice white shirt, which you'll notice I'm not wearing anymore. (laughs) And Nathan, uh, who's learning how to walk, fell on his face. He did a face plant on the hardwood floor and was crying. And so I picked him up, not knowing that his lip was bleeding all over the place. And so my whole shirt was covered in blood. And then at the same time as that happened, in our bathroom, which there's never been a problem before, the light bulb in our bathroom just made a loud popping sound and smoke started going out everywhere. It was like there was some sort of uh, bad spirit on our house uh, this morning during that time. But the amazing thing is... Instead of, like sometimes in the past, I might have been gotten angry and frustrated with my eyes fixed on Jesus, everything that came against me gave me even more joy because I know that He's already won. And these little things, these little things can't phase me when I am in that place, when we are in that place. And so we left the house praying and rejoicing in God, and only a few minutes late. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come to your word, help us to come to it humbly. May we stand underneath your word, allowing it to come into us and control our minds, our emotions, our bodies, our spirits, our lives. We ask that you would speak, because you're the one that we want to hear. Amen. Last week, we talked a little bit at the beginning of the sermon about how to be happy in church. And I said to you that you need to, if you want to be happy in the long run in church, you need to, first of all, listen for God. It's not about whether the church service was good or how many people were there or any of those things, but listen for what God is saying to you. To take notes, to pay attention, do whatever it takes to pay attention, and then to put into practice whatever God tells you, immediately, as quickly as you can, even before you leave the building, if possible. I, had, I heard two stories last week of people who heard something from God, which had nothing to do with what I had said, and put it into practice before they left the building. And I was very thankful for that. I, I think that there are probably more than I heard about. But I hope that you have put that into practice this week, whatever you heard from God, so that you can live this life of joy joy and peace. We are today on to the second sermon in a series called Students of the Master. It is a series about discipleship, about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Last week the sermon was entitled uh, was entitled Living in a Different World. And we looked at just who Jesus is and why he is so different than us. And we tried to get a vision a vision of him so that we would want to become like him. When you see Jesus as he is, you will love him and you will want to become like him. There is no other possible reaction when you see him as he really is. And this week, we will be talking about, uh, the title of the sermon is, Come to me and learn. Come to me and learn. And we will be talking about what it means to be a disciple or a student of Jesus. Someone who is learning from Jesus how to live their life. The main point for today, I will give it to you right up front so you don't miss it, and I'll say it several times. The main point, I think, of the text that we are studying today and of this message is this. The way to true rest. Peace and joy is to do the daily work of Jesus as his student. The way to true rest, peace, and joy is to do the daily work of Jesus as his student. We're looking at Matthew chapter 11 today. If you have your Bible, you can get it out. Or if you'd like to follow along, I will say a few things about the whole chapter before we move into verses. 25 to 30. This is an interesting chapter. And the first point in the sermon today, in the message, is incredible hardship and overflowing with joy. Incredible hardship and overflowing with joy. Can I get the next slide? Next slide. There we go. This, Has anyone seen this uh, picture before? It's a picture of a lighthouse being hit by an incredibly large wave. This is a picture taken in 1989 uh, by someone who was a photographer who was just in a helicopter during a storm. And the incredible thing about the picture, and I don't know if you can see it from where you're sitting, but there is a man standing outside in the doorway of the lighthouse. And he's actually just kind of leaning back like it's no big deal. While there is this wave engulfing the lighthouse and about to smash right where he's standing. The man did survive. He ran inside and closed the door just in time, and the wave didn't hit him. But this is a great image for, I think, the place that we find Jesus in as we come to Matthew chapter 11. The place that we find Jesus in. Incredible hardship, but overflowing with joy. In chapter 11, Jesus has been working so hard that it's amazing even that he's still alive. I don't know if you've ever considered just how hard Jesus worked at some points in his ministry, but we see in this chapter he's been traveling around Galilee, maybe for something like a year at this point. And he's been healing people and preaching and teaching. And he's been doing it so much, so much so, that sometimes the crowds don't even give him time to eat. Sometimes he spends the entire day just listening to people, talking to people, teaching them, and healing them. The entire day, without even time to eat. And on top of that, Jesus is spending most of his nights in prayer. He knows that his strength is drawn only from God, and so he goes to the place every night where he is to pray. We see him running away from his disciples many times. Uh, We see him off alone in the wilderness or on mountaintops praying all night. So for almost a year, the man is not eating. Oh, and on top of that, he's fasting sometimes intentionally. He's not eating properly. He's not sleeping properly, and he's working constantly This is why we get from the Pharisees things like, why are you working on the Sabbath? Here's a man who doesn't even seem to be taking a day of rest. He's constantly at work. And in addition to that, in Matthew chapter 11, we see that Jesus has a time of incredible discouragement. Incredible discouragement. We see that at the end of this, Matthew chapter 11 starts off with a message that's been sent from John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one who had originally declared that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the one, John says. This is the one I was sent to talk about, to proclaim. He's the first who knew it. And in this chapter, we get a message sent from John the Baptist to Jesus saying, I'm not sure anymore. Are you really the one? How could that not have been discouraging to Jesus? Even John isn't sure And then as we move on in the chapter, we see that his message, even though he has done so many miracles, his message is being completely misunderstood. People are not understanding what he is saying, that the kingdom of God is right here, open and available to those who will enter into it. They're not understanding it. And in fact, most of the people are ignoring it. It's not so much that they don't believe Jesus' message, if you saw someone heal uh, you know, heal lepers and blind people, you would probably agree with whatever they have to say. Okay, yes, I agree. But then they just went home and went about their regular lives. They did not do the things that Jesus was telling them they should do. They were too busy. They were too burdened in their lives. At this point in the history of Israel, there was sort of a double tax going on. You had to pay 10% of your money to the temple and you also had to pay a huge amount to the Roman government. And so the people were very burdened and it was difficult uh, to make ends meet. They were also burdened by all the things that they had to do to follow the law of Moses, feasts and sacrifices and going to the temple. And they thought to themselves, how can we possibly add what you're telling us to do, Jesus, to all of that. We are too busy already. Thank you for healing us. Please come again. But we just can't do what you're asking us to do. Jesus goes through this section in in Matthew 11 where he warns all of these towns, if you don't do this, your lives are going to fall apart one day. You will not be able to stand. But still they don't listen. And at this point, where Jesus should have been incredibly discouraged, think about how you feel when you are extremely overtired, when you haven't eaten properly in a long time, and when the thing that you are doing constantly seems to have failed entirely. How would you feel at that moment? And we see Jesus in, chapter, or in verse 25. He looks up to heaven and he begins to praise God and worship full and even overflowing with joy. How is that possible? How can a person come to the place where these kinds of things could happen to them and they would be overflowing, flooded with joy? Wouldn't you want to be like that? It would almost be like Being in heaven already, wouldn't it? Well, Jesus continues on. He continues on in this section to give a profound teaching, a teaching about how you can become like this, like He is. In this teaching, Jesus uses some symbols, some symbols of everyday work in His culture. These symbols are the ox and the yoke. The ox and the yoke. And these symbols uh, represent, as I said, everyday work for the people that Jesus is talking to. And this simply because in those days, most people worked with oxen and yokes all the time, very often. A yoke is just that thing that you put on top of the the, the ox's shoulders so that it can pull something like a plow or a cart. And these were things that they used everyday symbols of work. I was thinking to myself about uh, what symbols of work do we have today in our culture? Because even though these were everyday things for the Israelites, this is a big problem for us, that most of us have no experience of farm animals at all, or oxen or yoke or the things that uh, Jesus is talking to these people about. What represents everyday work for us? And as I thought about this, the thing that came to my mind is a to-do list. How many of you have a to-do list that you use regularly? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you have ever used a to-do list? Okay, I wanted to get more hands up. I did, put some, I did put some blank to-do lists in the pews, and if you see those, they are on the center of the aisles, and if you just want to pass those down the aisles, it's not in every aisle and there aren't enough for everyone, you'll have to go get your own if, if there's not one for you, uh, but it's just something to look at and think about, a, a to-do list, a symbol of the work that we have to do. I've written an article about this, and that article is available both online and at the Welcome Center. It is called, Take My To-Do List Upon You. So what I've done this morning, uh, this week, and what I'm going to read for you this morning is a paraphrase, a modern paraphrase of what Jesus says in verses 25 to 30 using a different image, the image of the to-do list, something that we are all familiar with, whereas we are not familiar with oxen and yoke. And so listen as I read this paraphrase. Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 25. After worshiping with joy, Jesus says, My Father has given me everything, He truly knows me, and I know Him. In fact, it is obvious that I am the only one who actually knows Him. But my one desire is to teach you what He is like so that you can know Him too. So come to me, all of you who are worn out with too much to do, And I will set you at rest. Take my to-do list upon you. We will do it together. And you will learn to work like me. Because I am gentle and humble in my heart. And you will find rest down to the depths of your soul. Because my work is easy, and my list is so light. My work is easy, and my list is so light. How is it that Jesus' work is so easy? How is it that he can say, Add on to your list that you already have, everything that he commands, and you will then be at rest. Jesus is already doing this. Jesus has already taken someone's to-do list upon him, taken someone's yoke upon him. It is the yoke of his Father in heaven. He is already in this relationship with his Father that he wants you to be in with him. He has arranged his life in such a way that he is united with God, in God's will, ready to do whatever God wants to do. He has taken on God's work. Jesus is, in this passage, offering to train you in his way of life, the kind of life he's already living. You see, a yoke is made for two. Oh, you didn't see that yet. A yoke is made for two. A yoke is made for two oxen. And the reason it's made for two, partly because two work better in a team, they get more done together, are able to pull more than uh, either, than the sum of the two alone, but also because it was a method for training oxen how to pull a load. If you wanted to train an ox who had never had a yoke on his shoulders before, what you did was you went and you found a more experienced ox, one uh, who had been pulling loads for a long time, and also one who was very gentle, not one who was wild and out of control. And you yoked that that ox together with the new one that you were going to train And the older ox would pull the load and teach the newer one how to do it. This is the kind of relationship that Jesus is asking you to enter into with him. This is the kind of relationship that he is in with his father. He is humble and gentle. And this is why he will be such a good teacher for us. He is humble and gentle. You see that this is also, you can go to the next slide now. This is also a great, a great quality in any boss if we think about work today and your to-do list. You don't want to work for somebody like this, right? You don't want to work for somebody who is arrogant and proud and rude and angry. You won't learn well from such a person. You will learn best from someone who is humble and gentle. This is what Jesus is calling us to, to be trained by him to enter into this relationship taking his work onto us we will thereby learn how to in every situation be in rest and peace and joy just like he is because his power will be right there with us just like the power of god was right there with him the third point this morning What exactly is on Jesus' to-do list? If you're going to take his work onto you, his yoke, his list, what exactly is on his list? What does it mean to take on the work of God, the work of Jesus? First, I want to say that Jesus' work is aimed at your heart. It is about transformation of your inner life, your spiritual life. It is not, for example, a list of church activities that you should be participating in. Jesus is not saying, by saying, take my yoke upon me, he is not saying that you need to go out and tell more and more people about Jesus. He is not saying that you need to go and volunteer more and more at church. He is not saying that you need to go to church meetings more and more. Those things are important. They are not unimportant. But that is not the central focus of what Jesus wants us to do. The central focus is our hearts. In John chapter 6 and verse 29, Jesus says that the work of God, the work of God is to believe in the one he sent. How can that be his work? What Jesus is asking us to do by putting on his to-do list, putting on his yoke, is to arrange our lives in such a way, to fill our lives with certain activities, activities that he did and taught, which will, along with the help of the Holy Spirit, transform our hearts And deepen our faith. Let me give you a couple of examples here. What things are on Jesus' to do list? To find out, we simply have to look at his life and see what he did every day and what he taught. The things that Jesus did every day are well known, the things that he did to foster his relationship with God, his Father. They are things such as, in level one, being alone with God for long periods of time. Things such as prayer, not just a list of things to pray, but prayer aimed at drawing his soul into deep relationship with God, listening, quieting his heart and mind, expressing his deepest emotions, his problems, and his temptations to God. They are things such as deep Bible memorization, internalization, study, consuming the Word of God until it's the substance of his very being. Jesus didn't just read his Bible. He took it into himself so deeply that it came out of his mouth at random times and in different ways. Even as he's dying on the cross, the thing that naturally comes out of him is Psalm 22, Is that what would naturally come out of us? Things such as fasting, breaking his reliance on physical reality and setting his focus on God. Things such as sacrificial service and giving. He did these things not only for the benefit of those who received help from him, He did serve people because he loved them, and he did give because he loved other people, but that is not the only reason he did it. He also did it because he knew that as he did, as he did it in the right way, it would draw his heart to deeper faith and deeper relationship with God. His to-do list is aimed at the heart. Here are a few illustrations. Let's say, for example... That I am a Christian, and I say that I believe in Psalm 23. Most of you know Psalm 23? It begins with, The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in want. God is my shepherd, and so I will never have any need that is unfulfilled. So I say that I believe that. But then... Something unexpected happens in my life. I have an unexpected expense come up, or I lose my job, and all of a sudden I'm worried. I'm scared, maybe even depressed. Do I really believe Psalm 23? I think the answer is yes. If I really am a Christian, I do believe it. But if that's what happens to me, my faith is not very deep. It is shallow. Or let's say that I say I believe, Genesis chapter 1, where it says that I am the world and all of us are created good. We are very good. But then when I look in the mirror and see my own reflection, insecurities come up, self-consciousness comes up, and I don't like myself. Do I really believe Genesis chapter 1? I do, but my faith is very shallow. Or let's say I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus when he says that the poor are blessed and that I should give to anyone who asks. But then when I actually encounter a poor person or a drug addict, I just want to get away from them. That's my natural reaction. Do I really believe Jesus? I do, But my faith is very shallow, if that is my natural reaction. And so Jesus' to-do list is designed to take my faith and sink it down deep into my soul. Until I become more and more like him, a person who not only believes it with mental assent, saying in my head, yes, I believe this, but a person whose natural reactions come from a deep place of belief and faith that God is real, that he is right here with us, and he is helping us in everything we do. These things on his to-do list in the first level that I've described here will then help us to go on and be able to do the other things that Jesus teaches, things like blessing those who curse or insult us, forgiving people immediately and completely, not judging not being defensive, believing God will answer specific prayers, considering others more important than myself, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. These things can't just be done by deciding to do them, but they can be done if we enter into this kind of relationship with Jesus, taking His work upon us and learning from him every day, in every activity, how to be more like Him. The message last week, I'll conclude just with this little review of the sermon series. The message last week was intended to give you a vision of who Jesus is and make you or inspire you with that vision to want to become more like him. If you're not at that stage yet, if you haven't seen him, then the rest won't really matter. The message today was designed to show you what it means or what it's like to be a student of Jesus. Our main point for today was that the way to true rest and peace and joy is to do the daily work of Jesus as his student. This is the way to become like him and to a life of true goodness. And we can do this by taking his to-do list Onto us. The list of things that we see he did every day in his life to draw himself closer to God. If he needed to do that, where do we stand? I'll be continuing this series with two more messages. Those won't be for a few weeks. I think actually it will be three weeks from today that the next one will come. The next one will be entitled, How to Register... How it is we can become a student of Jesus if we are not one already, or if we're not sure if we are one. And the last message after that will be entitled The Cost of Enrollment. We will talk about the relative costs, what it costs you to become a student of Jesus, and what it costs you to not become a student of Jesus. Would you please pray? With me. Father in heaven, we ask you again that you would help us. Help us to see who Jesus really is. Help us to see the invitation that he is giving us. Both those of us who are not Christians yet, or have been Christians for a very long time, help us to see this invitation he is constantly presenting us with, to live life together with him, to become more like him. God, we pray that this would become our greatest desire, to grow and to become like this one who died for us. We thank you for him, and we pray in his name. Amen.